1: Another week of a good sponsorship. I love next Media.
2: Great, great people. This is—we're uh, fortunate. We got good sponsors and at Media. Like, I feel good talking about them,
1: <laughs> right? Like, Don't you? It makes a difference when you actually like really want to endorse the product. I think that's that's the thing. And these people—they have made our podcast, taken it to a whole another level. Like, we—I'm telling you guys, it's podcasting. It can be easy, but the hardest part is monetizing. And that's what they have done for us. They've helped us monetize. We've now got great equipment. Our video aspect is so much better. So if you're looking to get into podcasting, Herdat is the place to go.
2: They've been great teammates along this podcast journey. If you need podcasting, websites, social media, or video, holler at them at Herdat.com. Go like them on Facebook, Instagram. That's H U R R D A T. Dot com Let, let's just say this: It's been
1: so good that we're bringing our friends to the network now. We just got That's our right. our buddies Megan Olivi and Joseph Benavides, who uh, uh, you know are big in the UFC. They just launched their podcast at Home with Ben Olivi, and I, I think that they're enjoying it. I mean, we've only heard good things, it's, and it's
2: a great show. actually. check out their podcast. It's uh it. You don't have to be a UFC fan to like them. I actually, feel I always said this: It's you almost feel like you're a fly on the wall in the relationship, and you get to hear them just talk about their lives and it's an exciting world from joe going to fight camps to meg you know interviewing some of the biggest athletic stars in the world it's uh it's 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 a great podcast to listen but make sure you check out heard media uh again if you're interested to in getting into the podcast game they'll help you out that's dot com.
1: let them know that we sent you what up butter
2: yo tax what's happening
1: not too much man just chilling just chilling getting through the week i i heard it's uh pretty uh stormy out there yeah dude it's Get a lot rough of rosters. out
2: here it's uh it's it's i'm gonna be spending the rest of this day after this show just shoveling out my car and just shoveling well, where do you just... have
1: to go you have nowhere to go what, what are you so, gonna shovel your car to just drive around and do nothing like you have to up.
2: here's the thing in new york city is like the plows come, if you don't shovel out your, your car, you're, it's going to get too cold. And then it freezes. And then your car, you can't get to your car for like months. Like that's what happened. Your car literally just, you'll see when there's bad weather in New York, like cars get buried in snow. Then the plows come there's snow, there's snow and then the you don't see till over spring and you don't see a car till spring. It's like, nope, that car is done. It's just done. So you have to kind of bury out your car. Like it's pretty insane. It always happens though. It's, it always happens. It's pretty funny, actually.
1: Uh, we do not have that problem here in California right now. There is a slight drizzle, and that's about it. Wow, that's
2: even yeah. that's a good thing though for California.
1: Yeah, I was, I, rain is. We always welcome the rain. I I can't complain about the rain. Isn't that insane? At all.
2: Like, yeah. are you Dax? Are any of your friends moving out of L.A.? Because you see a lot of celebrities now that are moving out of L.A. You had Gene Simmons, Joe Rogan. Uh, well they're my Chris friends. Harrison. So yes, they
1: they have just recently <laughs> moved.
2: <laughs> but it's crazy how many people are moving out of LA, I guess, because of the taxes and just you know, they're having issues. Do you do you notice your person people in your personal crowd and in your internal crowd? Like trying to like get out? Um, I have
1: one friend that's moving to Texas right now, but it's just because it's it's so fucking expensive to live in California yeah. that uh they're piecing out to go to Texas and actually have a, a home with some land. You know, that, that's how they're looking at it.
2: There's a lot of tech people that are moving to Texas, uh, specifically Austin. Do you think that Hollywood, you know the the movie business, could would potentially ever move out of Hollywood? No. No? You think it will no. always be in L.A.? Still I, think, taxes.
1: I think that there will be like, – Even with
2: Georgia, Atlanta, Atlanta's got a lot of movies yeah, are being but made that,
1: in Atlanta. There's still Hollywood. I think that you can have Hollywood, and then you have filming locations. Atlanta is a perfect example of – filming locations they make it affordable you've got like tyler perry studios out there you know like it becomes a hub but i don't think hollywood will just disappear so i think you can make austin another hub where it's uh, affordable to go and film but hollywood's not going to just go away
2: so if you're a big star you know like matt damon now is apparently going to live full-time in brooklyn uh a lot of celebrities are now moving outside josh now is full-time i guess in atlanta if you're a big star, how do they even audition for films? Or do they even audition? Do they just get Those the people roles? people
1: don't audition anymore. You know, like, that's the goal. What does Josh Brolin do? He's not showing up to an audition. Don't give me that.
2: Isn't that the goal, though, as an actor? Like, when you don't have to audition, you just get the roles. Like, that's yeah, that, the craziest thing.
1: That's when your manager... Like, that's when their managers have the best job ever. their agents. When it's just, here's a script. And they just throw it on your desk. And they're like, we want you to be the star of our movie. Like, that's what people want, right? Like, but that takes... That takes an Academy Award to get to that level.
2: Uh, or maybe, c- could we do that? Well, I mean, essentially, this podcast, we could do anything. It's, uh, <laughs> this podcast Dex. We just emailed. Can I say the story? Have yeah, tell the story, All right, so tell the story. All right, so this is such a dick.
1: And then what, you know what we'll do? We'll ask Sarah Jakes for forgiveness after we <laughs> tell this story. What do you think? <laughs> it's,
2: it, it's, I don't even know how to explain. This is so messed up. So we... Uh, Man, I don't – so we had a – I'm so upset about this. We reached out to Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci, right? Yeah. And uh, The Devil we Wears like,
1: Prada and a billion other
2: movies. Games and stuff. Yeah. And we reached We reached out to a bunch of people. We said, hey, man, he's got a book come out. We'd love to have him on the podcast. Obviously, we had these men of guests on the podcast. We thought it would be a great get. The publicist responds – this is exact words what the publicist responds. Thanks for reaching out, comma, Adam. I'm sorry, but I am declining. Best, Jen. <laughs> like i wrote a long my, my email thing is, it took me like 30 minutes to write this email and that's the response i got what What were your thoughts on that response
1: my response is i am all about like if she would have said stanley respectfully declines i would have felt better i would have been like okay that's fine like we get it you know you took it to him you presented the offer my my take from that is that she didn't present it she goes screw you guys i'm not even taking the offer to him which is our number one beef in this industry is that they don't present it to the the celebrity or the artist or whatever because there's been dozens of times that we had to just go around the publicist at a certain point and ask the stars we're like we know that they will do this podcast like we've seen them in the streets or we've talked to them and they said you they would DMs love to do them. it we yeah. we've yeah. And so finally, you get around the public, and the person like, absolutely, I will do your podcast. And I hate it when you get these like C blockers. I, I feel like I have to clean up my my words because we got Sarah on hold right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know, I know. I want to be good. It's uh, just like, but but
2: I am declining. It's like, wait, no, it's, no, we didn't ask for you to come on the podcast. We asked yeah. for Stanley to come on the podcast. Yeah. So it just stinks. But I'm excited for today's guest. Yeah. Today's, today's guest, guest has is a podcast awesome. to make us feel good. Um, I think we all use it right now. Dax, tell us about today's guest.
1: Yeah, so our guest today is a she is a take charge businesswoman, a writer, media personality. Has a unique way of reaching people who are seeking to make peace with their past and to maximize their future. Please welcome Sarah Jake Roberts.
2: It's uh, it's great to have you. Uh, we're excited. You know, we're it's funny because we're we're just watching your your, your Instagram live now. Oh, cool. You're on the podcast, so it, it was just great content. Tell us about your journey, your path and how you overcame some of the the obstacles you faced during your life.
0: I think if I had to define my journey, I would say it was like chief Eve behavior. Eve, like you don't even have to be like a Bible scholar to know who Eve is. Eve was in the garden. She knew better, but didn't do better. And I was living at my chief Eve identity for much of my like teenage to half of like my twenties. I was knowing better, but not always doing better because I just didn't believe that I could show up in the world as the person I knew I could be. And so, I mean, there's so many different things that happened. I was a teen mother. I got pregnant at 13. I had my kid at 14 years old. I was a waitress at a strip club. I dropped out of school, but it was all happening under this spotlight of being the daughter of Bishop T.D. Jakes, who at the time was living at this intersection of faith and fame. He was on the cover of Time Magazine. Entertainment Tonight would do things on, on our church. And so trying to figure out who I was in that world was really challenging. Until I just had this moment where I hit rock bottom and I realized that even if I wasn't going to like be whoever you're supposed to be when you're Bishop T.D. Jakes' daughter, but I still wanted to be someone that I was proud of, someone who I could look in the mirror and say, I like her. And I had to really recognize what was keeping me from living in that space. And in the process of doing that, I started writing. I was writing and I was sharing it on a blog. And then other people who were on a similar journey started connecting to that moment. And it was through that process that I really came to this place where I understood that we all have like a little evenness. We've all known better, but didn't always do better maybe Adam maybe you guys have Adam in you where you know better and don't do better and I wanted to write a book that would help people to really understand one You're not the only one who's been there, but two, we don't have to stay there. And so for me, Woman Evolve is an opportunity to meet people where they are, but to challenge them in a loving, uh, relatable way to really come to the place where you believe that you can look yourself in the mirror and see what God sees in you, to see what you believe your potential has been saying all along the way.
1: Do you think that your journey to find yourself, do you think it was harder because you had such a famous father and you have to kind of search for yourself and there's there's different pressures that I think someone like you well not only I I wouldn't even say just the fame but I I feel like because he's a bishop he's so well known that there's like the spiritual pressure too like everyone in the congregation is looking at you do you feel that that pressure was just like really intense growing up
0: it was really really intense I feel like it was I, I wanna say that maybe it's more intense than it is for other people than I've met people. And it was just as intense for them on their level. But I do think the scrutiny of having so many people see how you process getting pregnant at 13, to see how you respond, to see where your self-esteem is after that moment. How do you carry yourself? She's not who she used to be anymore. Like that was all very, very challenging. But in a way, I think it also helps me because it helped me to understand how to live my life out loud in a way that I could be proud of and stand by even in moments where I was in a low time because now I'm constantly sharing my journey and it forces me to be truthful and not to just put on this facade and pretend like everything is okay. So it was preparation for where I am now, but in the moment, it just felt like it would never end.
2: Do you feel like some of it was like rebellious because you wanted to kind of make yourself, I don't know, in just some way feel important so it's like i want to kind of do something a little bit different than my dad or, or was you know it, was, it, was it ever rebellious at all
0: you know i think that after i got pregnant i didn't the, i don't think the pregnancy was rebellion but i think after i got pregnant i was like screw this like i messed up. I'm not going to even try to be this good girl anymore because I've already ruined that image. And so I think that the reactions after that definitely were. But in that moment, when I got pregnant, I felt like I was just a girl trying to figure out where she belonged and got involved with people who offered something that looked like hope, but ended up being something that was really just going to create more weight on my life.
1: So what was it that flipped the switch? You're like, okay, this is, I'm going down the wrong path. This is and I'm not even going to say the wrong path, because maybe for someone else, that is the the right path for them. But I mean, the, the wrong path for you. Mm. And so what was it that you're like, OK, I need to I need to change the way I'm doing things.
0: All right. I feel like this is a safe space. So I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I appreciate the lack of judgment that I'm going to get here. But OK, so I was married before and uh, the person that I was married to got someone pregnant and um, He brought her to our home, our married household at that time. And she was like waiting in the car and I just like lost it. I just lost it because they thought they were going to drive off in this car together and just live happily ever after. And I got my car. I had like a big SUV at the time. Safe space, and I just started ramming their car over and over again, like reverse, forward, reverse, forward. They called the police on me, and it was at that moment when I was looking at the police officer, where I was like, "Girl, you about to go to jail? Like, if you don't figure out what's wrong with you, why you've settled for this relationship, why you knew that this was going to be toxic but signed up for it anyway, you're going to end up in prison. Like, this is where this ends. And that I will say was like my rock bottom, where I was like, I don't know who that person is who is showing up as me, but. It's not who I want to be anymore. And it took me time before I left the marriage, but it was that realization where I realized I need to take control over how I'm showing up in the world, which means I need to be present within myself because there's something that is disconnected. And that's when I began to focus on my brokenness.
2: Your father. I mean, that's a pretty insane story. Your father obviously is Bishop TD Jakes. One of the most renowned speakers in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, How does he react during this? You know, was he, you know, because there's the public guy that, you know, that he could kind of feel scrutinized by the media, by the members of um, the people that go to his church. But how did he kind of how was he there for you during this time?
0: So uh, throughout my pregnancy, I really feel like he showed up as my father and not as a persona. And that was so important because he didn't make me feel like what I did damaged his image in any way. And I'm sure, you know, now that I'm an adult, I can understand having to navigate that from a public perspective, but he never let me feel the weight of that. He and my mother both were really as supportive as you can be when your child is going down a path that you don't necessarily dream of for them. No one dreams that their kid's going to get pregnant at such an early age. And yet they showed up and it was honestly their love that created like this landing spot for me to come back after I hit rock bottom at the time that I was like ramming the cars I didn't live in the same state with them I moved to another state so they didn't even know about that until like I wrote about it in my first memoir and my father was like so heartbroken that I was so isolated from them emotionally that I didn't even feel like I could share that I was going through that wow
1: that's crazy (laughs) that me being a father I can't imagine reading that because I'd be Mm -hmm. like my ass is going to go over there and <laughs> kick the other guy's ass right now because that, that is just an effed up story mm-hmm. i want to when you were growing up what did you what did you envision yourself doing you know like what what was that job that you thought you were going to be when you grew up
0: i wanted to be like a cfo When I first went to college before I dropped out, I was studying accounting. I just wanted a steady job. Like at 13, you're not really thinking about stability unless you have a child. And then all of a sudden you realize that one day I'm going to have to be able to take care of this kid for myself. So I definitely saw something very corporate, very um, transcending of the times that wasn't necessarily dependent on some industry staying relevant and so i wanted to be an accountant work myself up to be a cfo and have my cpa license and then i took a statistics class in college and i was like you know what i want to serve drinks at a strip club that's My dream has changed a little bit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
2: What did you learn from working at a strip club? Was, was there any kind of oh, obviously it's a crazy place, but there had to be some takeaways from working at that at a strip club. Was there any strong takeaways or relationships that you took away from that, from meeting people that from people struggling to uh, people just trying to get out of whatever world they're in right now? Was there any? Was, uh, like he- I would see that as like one of those places where you look back and like you know I'm I'm. People might judge on that, but I'm actually happy I was sort of there.
0: No, it definitely is because, like, people follow me today on social media from like JT from City Girls, Rihanna, like, all of these people who have such a different life than I have right now. Because I like, I'm in churches most of the time, they're in clubs most of the time. But what it taught me is that we are really all more alike than we are different. On the inside, the things that wound us, the things that change our narrative about who we can be, the things that affect our confidence and self esteem, they're all kind of similar. And I think from having gone there to like, you know, super conservative, evangelical white churches, that it's taught me that on the inside, we're all trying to figure out how do we show up in this world? And how do we do so in a way that doesn't make us cry at night? And so I am grateful, honestly, that I had the opportunity to waitress at the strip club, because it allowed me to see people on all different levels and stages of life, and come to a place where I understood them and didn't make a judgment about them.
1: You know, it's funny because you bring up some famous names. I was just wondering, do you ever get nervous when you're up on stage and you look out in the audience and you see, you know, a famous person sitting there listening to you absorbing all the words that you're throwing out? Does that ever ruffle you at all?
0: it makes me nervous beforehand like if I see them beforehand but the moment that I step into that moment when I'm speaking I realize that the most important thing is that I'm able to stand in whatever it is I'm supposed to stay say in that moment and I think that time and experience has taught me that they need it just as much as the person who I don't know and to not allow allow like the grandeur of their identity to make me miss that there's still a soul there's still a person who needs to hear from God, who needs to be inspired and to be touched in some way. And so I think that like in my shyness and nervousness, I can feel like that before I take this stage. But once I'm in there, I'm in a zone and I'm on a mission. So
1: who's made you the Fred most nervous? All? Hold on. <laughs> I, got, I want to know who's made her the most nervous
0: who's made, I, of everyone, my father, I just spoke at my father's <laughs> church, like, and we've talked, I mean, when I say, like, people have come to our church, my husband and I were in LA, people have come to our church in the morning and been on the Oscar, at the Oscars receiving an award that night, and that's like, but my father, I cannot, I love him to death, but preaching to him, <laughs> oh my <laughs> word, it is like a mess, a mess. It's terrible. And yet, he stage right. Is it just,
1: is it the prep just going and going, I I need to impress my dad, even though I don't really need to impress my dad, but, like, (laughs) there's just the pressure of, like, I need to show, I need to make the Jake's name proud, you know, when you're up there?
0: It is the inner dialogue of, like, you're not up here for your father, you're here for the world, you're here because of what God has to say, but also, like, you know you better say that the right way, and if you mess that up, you know you're going to hear about it, because he's been (laughs) preaching for, like, 40 plus years, so it's like, he's not. Not just looking at it there to receive. He's not just a soul there to receive. He's there like, okay, did that scripture line up? Okay, that did that dot did not connect to that dot, and so it is. A, I have to go through a lot of shedding to get to a place where I'm like, you know what? Whatever. Here I am. This is what I got to say, and Amen at the end of it.
2: <laughs> so before you take the stage, what actually? What's your biggest crowd you've spoke in front of live?
0: Like thirty thousand people. Thirty, 000. That's 30 000. insane.
2: Do you have like a routine before you go on stage in front of that many people? Do you have I mean are you nervous? Do you have like I got to have this juice? What's like the your pre-talk?
1: <laughs> got to have this juice. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: I um I do a lot of intentional breathing because I do get really, really nervous. And when I get nervous, I start speaking very quickly. And, and then I forget what I'm gonna say. And then you just out there talking fast with nothing to say, and nobody loves that. So I do a lot of breathing and I do a lot of just like reminding myself, like you've done this before. A lot of times we get nervous about things we've done it before, the audience may change, the crowd may be different, the country may be different, the language may be different, but you've done this before. And so to stand in the knowing that like, this is an accident, this isn't your first time. And if you did it, then you can do it again. So I have to like, remind myself like who I am and the knowledge that I have from experience so that the moment, it shrinks the moment, you know?
1: What's the best advice your dad ever gave you?
0: think yourself clear. So he has like this, like, um, regimen for speaking and it's like, steady yourself full, think yourself clear, pray yourself hot, let yourself go. But that think yourself clear part is super, super important. You know, sometimes I look at comedians like a Dave Chappelle and how you you go on this journey with a joke. And then you, he turns this corner and you're like back at this joke. That was like at the beginning of the show, preaching is very much so like that. And what you're taking the person on a journey, but at the end of the Day, all of these dots need to connect. And so that thinking yourself clear is important because otherwise you'll be just like a stream. You're like a timeline on Instagram with all of these inspirational quotes, but maybe they aren't married to each other. And I feel like the most important thing in speaking is to make sure that everything is married so that that expected end is exactly what you know, God told you to do in that moment.
2: Yeah. Who's a celebrity that's in your DMs the most?
0: I can't answer that That would be a violation of their trust and privacy
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who's the one celebrity You've been waiting to basically look out into the crowd And you would love to see them in attendance
0: you know, to be honest, and this you're going to hate this answer, but it is my truth. Um, I am more excited about the person who doesn't know that they are a celebrity yet. I think there's something beautiful about connecting with someone who doesn't know who they are yet and being able to be just a small part of them coming to the realization of what's possible for them. So I don't know. I, there are so many different people who we've had the opportunity to meet and to experience and to minister or two but i think the people who make me most excited are the people who are fresh and green and ready to really take the world by storm
1: is there anyone recently that you've met that you're like this person has it and maybe they don't know they have it or they're okay. just new into the industry and you're like man when this person pops they're gonna blow the lid off of whatever industry they're in
2: because i say that i i'll say the first time i met miley cyrus you know, she was a star already. However, I knew there was like this inner confidence, like, wow, this girl is a star. Like she's it was almost like the Superman shield on top of her chest. Like she's got it. Same thing with Rihanna. Rihanna's one of those people It's like, man, she's a star. Like she's yeah. got it. Who's who's some of the people that you've seen?
0: oh goodness i think honestly we sold a sitcom to abc based off of our life a pilot and it didn't we didn't get to take it further than the pilot being purchased but i saw leslie odom who i know people know him from hamilton but when i saw leslie odom starring as my husband i really felt like he's got something that the world doesn't really understand fully yet, but it's super, super special how multidimensional he is. So I will say that I feel like he's one of the underrated people who I've gotten the opportunity to see show up in a different light that I hope the world gets to experience soon.
1: I, I love hearing who people think are going to be like the biggest stars out there. Like we talked to a lot of like heads of media corporations and like, you know, people that run places and who they think is going to be the next star. And I always find that an interesting question. You know, one thing I love about you is your fashion. And I'm sure you hear this all the time. But someone in your role, they're not, it's, it's, fashion isn't always that important. And I hope I'm being respectful by saying that. But um, I think women in ministry, you know, you take it to another level by when you're up there, not only are the words coming out of your mouth inspiring, but your fashion is just killer and on point. How much time do you spend on your fashion game?
0: Mm, That's a great question. Um, You know, I'm very intentional about how I look because, listen, I feel like, there's a new generation of people and there are different things that capture their attention. And I feel like at the end of the day, fashion is bait for me, but I want it to be pretty good bait because I want to get them to a message that allows them to really become a better person. And so I would say the clothing is probably what I focus on first, because I want to get that out of the way so that I can stay in the zone of the message. So, I mean, like, I'll say fifteen percent of my preparation is determining how I want to look when I deliver that message.
2: Has there ever like been backlash on mean- right at all? Because how oh, yeah. <laughs> do you that? Because I, I'm i don't think it's anything bad. You do it; it's it's sexy, but it's very modest. It's nothing, in my opinion. It's, it, some people could find it inappropriate. I yeah. again, it's just different times. You know, it's just you're just you're you're millennial, you're, you know, you're kind of going with the times, but how do you deal with when people speak about your fashion?
0: You know, I really just come to a place where I'm like, you're not going to be for everyone. And if you insist that everyone accepts you, you're going to be divided in such a way that you don't know who you are. I think for who I'm called to speak to, that it works to your point. I'm really intentional about making sure that it's on trend, that it looks nice, but that it isn't extremely inappropriate for more conservative people, like even a woman in pants is something that they would rather not see. And I get that for them and for their time. And there's someone who works for them. But I really feel like that I'm seeing um, impacts in the place where I am called to be. And I, I like it. I, I love to to feel good and to show up and feel confident in every area of my life, not just in what I wear, but in how I study. And I feel like at the end of the day, if I look good, but what I'm saying doesn't connect and it's not studied and it hasn't been prayed for and anointed, then I failed. But if I can deliver in every area, why not?
1: Do you have designers coming after you to wear their clothes up on stage because you have such a large audience. And I and I noticed you do a lot of fashion posts on your Instagram mm-hmm. and stuff. So I got to imagine people are just throwing clothes at you left and right at this point.
0: That does happen. It does happen. A lot. <laughs> That's, <laughs> <crazy. laughs>
1: That's got to be a cool feeling though, right? Like when you get successful and people are like, no, we want to see you represent our clothes. That's pretty awesome.
0: I think it is cool. And I will tell you why, especially for someone like me who was a church girl who didn't always feel like she fit in church. I think to see something that is faith be represented in a place of fashion is an incredible message because everyone's not going to be a minister. Everyone's not going to preach. Everyone's not going to do what I do and write books. But I do think they need to understand that there is a place for you in fashion. Like maybe you're just making clothes, but as you're making clothes, you're connecting with people and ministering to them. And that has value too. And so I think that if I can live in an important intersection that gives someone else permission to have their faith while moving in a different realm and dimension than maybe i can get into i feel like that's important
2: you uh you mentioned obviously we're talking about instagram you you talk a lot about cooking there's a lot of cooking yeah. stuff on your instagram that's so random i'm just curious dex i want to ask you the same thing but what's the one food that everyone loves but you can't get into
0: asparagus
2: <laughs> you know what though that's you're Peace smells from it so that's that's fine i get it there's like uh, you don't want the side effects that come with it so no
0: i just can not <laughs> make it happen i have oh, tried. No i've roasted it i've sauteed it i i try i really and then i made asparagus when i have a four-year-old and i was trying to get her to eat this you gotta eat your vegetables she's like i don't like i was like girl i don't blame you girl <laughs> 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 i don't blame you
2: <laughs> Dax, what's but, yours Do you have a food that you know
1: i've tried for so long to get into tomatoes I just can't. I tomatoes. hate tomatoes. I hate them. No matter, like, you can give me any other form of tomato and I will eat it up. You give me ketchup, you give me sun dried tomato, anything but a raw tomato. My wife loves them. My son loves them. My daughter made me eat one yesterday, and I just the taste of it exploding in my mouth was so <laughs> gross. I, I'm like, you would think after all these years I'd get over it, but I hate tomatoes.
2: Who is? Adam. Who's, yeah, mine was gonna be something so, like Cheerios. I I don't like Cheerios. The smell of Cheerios. I, I can't get into Cheerios. <laughs> the smell of Cheerios? Like, who who Dude, are you? There's
0: nothing wrong <laughs>
2: with I don't know. I, I grew up with like bad stuff. I was doing right to tricks and uh, Fruit Loops. So it was like, once you gave me Cheerios, I was like, no, it was like, <laughs> get away from me. It's terrible. Um, who are funny. some of your mentors besides your father? Who are your mentors? The people that you really looked up to your role models?
0: I, you know, my husband is one of my mentors. He has um, really shaped so much of what I understand about spirituality about navigating living in this intersection because I moved here from Texas. I've been here for seven years now, but my husband's been here. built the church before we were even married and had a list celebrities and aspiring artists all at the same time. And when it became evident that I was going to have this, you know, influence that stretched beyond just church and into culture and entertainment and business, he's been one of my mentors in showing me how to really understand different cultures and the language. And so he's definitely one. My mother is underrated and I'm going to, you know, she because everyone sees my father, but my mother, so much of how I speak and how I show up is a reflection of how she's taught me. She's like, she's one of the dopest people I've ever met. But then there are people who don't have anything to do with, you know, faith at all. Like Bozoma, St. John, to see her beasting it on the business side, to see Lovey writing and, and being so authentic and funny and her writing is so great i love to see reese witherspoon in her production company and how she's inspiring women with draper james so there are so many different women in different industries and sectors who've played a role in who i am some known some unknown but i'd have to say my dad my husband and my mother are are my greatest mentors
1: i have a really random question for you what kind of music are you into
0: it depends on the day and what's happening. I, I love, I'm definitely going to set my atmosphere and make sure I'm right, like on a spiritual level. So I love that music. I love like, um, like Daughter is a band, like they're alternative, but they're like, they're not like alternative, like rock band alternative. They've got like a... Almost emo type vibe. Um, Beyonce, hello. Like, what can? Is there anything <laughs> wrong that she can do? I'm not sure yet fully, um, but there's nothing like running to a Beyonce song and feeling like, you know what, I can beast and handle whatever's ahead of me. And uh, I love anything that's got some eight in it because we sometimes you need a little bass in your life. You need to take <laughs> the car shaking to understand that you're still alive.
2: <laughs> we had a uh, yeah, we had Tony Robbins on the podcast recently and we asked him if he had to recommend three books, Well actually in five but we'll give you three. If you could recommend, recommend three books uh, in the personal development stage, what would you recommend?
0: Integrity by Henry Cloud. It's uh, more of a business book than an interpersonal book, but it definitely um, it definitely inspired me. Um, oh gosh, what is the book that my husband gave me about habits? Something so good. So great. Atomic Habits by James Clear. That one has been phenomenal. And Woman Evolved by Sarah Jakes Roberts. It's huge. <laughs> I like it. Uh,
1: and I wanted to ask you, tell us more about this Woman Evolved movement. I mean, we've kind of brought it up a couple of times, but like, how did it get started? What's been the reaction? Like, tell people uh, about this movement.
0: Well, I was at a women's conference. uh, This was after I started blogging and people were inviting me to speak and to really just share my personal story. And people were connecting so much with my personal story that people were like, you should do this and you should do that. And I just didn't have anything that that felt organic to what I wanted to do until I was at this women's conference. And they had all of these women who were in the Bible. And, you know, it's like Sarah, Ruth, just all of these people who we've come to know in the faith community. But they didn't have Eve's name on it. And like this small, petty part of me that I'm still working on was like, I know why they didn't have Eve on there because she messed it up for us all. Like, girl is raggedy. (laughs) I totally get it. And then sometimes you have these moments like when you're praying and meditating, when it's like God taps you on the shoulder and he was like, let's talk about Eve. And I was like praying and meditating and God kind of like revealed to me that like, even though I was ready to like go to heaven and pull Eve to the side, like, girl, you had one job. Yet at the end of the day, like Eve was one of the women in the Bible who I can relate to the most because she knew better, but didn't do better. And so I kind of started getting compassionate towards like Eve and how all of humanity, even if we look at the culture and uh, just history and how what Eve did in the garden set a tone for women in the culture in general, how they couldn't be trusted, how they couldn't vote, how they shouldn't be positions of power and all because of this idea, especially in the West, about what took place with Eve in the garden. And so I set out on this mission to like rescue Eve. And I was like teaching from the Bible about Eve and connecting it with women today. And woman evolve, evolved Eve is like in evolved was like my tribute to girls like us, like Eve, like myself, who have known better, but haven't always done better. Because in the process of that moment in the Bible, there's like this promise connected to that. curse and that promises that like if you would grow from this if you evolve from this moment then you can handle purpose you can handle destiny and so that was the message that i said listen i will dedicate my life to this i will write sixty thousand words for this i will go on tour for this i will podcast about it because it's important for me that every woman comes to a place where she can rescue the eve inside of her so that she can handle the destiny purpose and divinity connected to her life
1: it. And how has the response been?
0: Phenomenal. First of all, no one likes Eve. So by the time I get finished speaking, to have people like, oh, Eve wasn't so bad. Like I can, <laughs> I can me, Eve. That's been phenomenal. And to see that women aren't afraid to own their scars. Or especially in a social media culture where we're so used to just posting our highlights, to have women come to a place where they aren't judging themselves neither by their highlights nor their flaws, but really coming to a place where they recognize that it's all a mixture of who I am has been, it's been powerful. And I think it's necessary. Listen, we are like in a reality, you know, a reality TV generation, and we want something real and we want something authentic and we don't wanna just be told what we should do. We wanna know why we should do it and how we should do it. And for me, woman evolve meets you where you are, but grows you to where you need to be. And I feel like that's so important in walking out any part of our lives.
2: I got two last two questions for you. I'm just a Jew from, you know, New York City. So I didn't really become familiar with you guys until with your dad and you until social media. You know, I think social media really put you guys on the map for me. And I started seeing your dad's videos and your videos was like, wow, it just spoke to me. I thought it was really interesting. You guys had very powerful things. How important is you know you're an entrepreneur how important is social media to you guys like how do you guys use social media to you know just spread positivity good word and as an entrepreneur for your your businesses
0: social media is our it's our storefront it's our way where we get to put what we believe is most important at the window and i feel like for so many different maybe influencers what's most important to them is maybe music and maybe it is fashion but for us at the end of the day what we're putting on our storefront is this belief that your life is not random and that there's purpose connected to your name and that we can meet you where you are and sometimes we can feed you good and sometimes we can look good while doing it but that storefront is the place where we can capture any anyone any and everyone who's just scrolling and so social media for us is not to be underestimated we try to be intentional about what we're putting on there because we recognize that it's a very large net that allows us to capture people and so we don't use it as just a place for us to to tout what's happening in our life but as a place to make people really take a minute and take inventory of what's taking place in their world
2: and uh, my last question is what's something you could tell us about your dad that nobody knows
0: Hmm.
2: Is he an ice cream guy? Later, you know, is he? And Louis can tell
0: about it because now you're like all super stressed, and I just don't know you that well. We just <laughs> um, let me see. He's he is hilarious. Like he is, like he could do stand up comedy if he, if the church thing ever, if he just decided, you know what, I've preached everything that there is to preach and I'm ready to do stand up comedy. And he would have you like legitimately in stitches, like Dave Chappelle, watch out, Kevin Hart, like everyone would have to watch out because the guy is hilarious.
1: <laughs> well, then I'm crossing my fingers that one day he wants to try a different avenue just to let us hear it <laughs> a little bit. I mean, he's already got the stage presence, so and that's if the he hardest ever thing
0: to do. this interview. Cause I want 10% of whatever he makes. I.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love, my last question for you. And then I, I want to hear about this podcast that you've got going. But my last question is how do you deal with, because you're so involved in social media, haters and cancel culture.
0: Mm. Because- to be honest, I'm a very like sensitive person. So I try not to post things that are going to be like too controversial. Like I try to stay out of the whole political conversations because honestly, I don't feel very well versed to defend my stance in the comments because you know, it's going to create division. So I try to stay away from things that create division and only focus on the things that I can stand by. And I block people, you know what I mean? Because that's what the block button is there for. They didn't put it there for you to just look at it. If someone says something, too crazy i block them but i'm always trying to reason with people in a way that gives space to their thoughts and their ideas but also introduces another perspective so when i can't reason i block but i try to be intentional about not dividing on purpose
1: interesting all right tell us about your podcast because i know that is definitely one thing we you know our audience we like to promote other people's podcasts we like to diversify our audience her so podcast like
2: podcast is killing it it's, crushing yeah, so it. it's a I, huge I wanted- podcast
1: yeah, Tell us more Thank about
0: it. You. So The Woman Evolved podcast is basically an extension of what I share with you about rescuing Eve, except for re- we are rescuing people in like pop culture who maybe did something or people who are in the news who maybe did something and everyone was like, I cannot believe that that happened. But We try to look at things from a different perspective. It's like, are we going to give them a life jacket? Are we going to give them a boat? I'm going to be honest. I do it live on Facebook and YouTube, and so my co-hosts are the people who watch live. They're not always trying to rescue people, so sometimes I'm out there with a floaty all by my myself. myself trying to rescue someone like a bad episode of Baywatch. But then we have other moments where we're able to like transform people's ideas and they come away looking at things differently. And so that's beautiful. So the woman evolved podcast is rescuing Eve in practice. And then we celebrate and give advice. And then I try to leave people with an inspirational word. That's
2: awesome. That's awesome. Well, make sure you follow Sarah at Sarah Jake Roberts and check out a woman evolved.com. Listen to the podcast, read her books, uh and when she has an ig live i recommend you just stop what you're doing and take a listen it's uh there's so many great takeaways from the content she's putting out there her and her family so i wish nothing but the best thank you for your time it's an honor it's a privilege and uh keep doing the good word i keep doing the good work i should say i was like keep spreading the good word keep doing the good work because uh you're awesome
0: thank you i appreciate that
2: well that was fun i liked her what did you think she was great she's great cool energy she's crushing it's crazy. so right before the podcast we were watching her doing instagram live and there's 3 000 people watching her live and that's insane for three thousand people in the middle of the day to watch that I, i've seen a lot people, of people
1: i've seen people with millions and millions of followers and you sign into them and it's like 45 people like yeah. no joke and i'm like wait so are your followers not real or people just aren't engaged with you and she has a real engaged audience
2: there's definitely a lot of engagement tons of comments but uh I've met her father. I've met her father in New York, and like people go crazy for him. Like I helped out another show. Uh, someone said, like, like they a show reached out to me. It was like, can you get, a, can you get us her? Can you get us her father? Like, like they wanted anything to do with either of them. Like they're obsessed with her. So it's uh, I'm not gonna name the show, but it's a very, very huge show. And they're like, she has an open, and her and her family have an open invitation to come on our show. It's That's pretty awesome. wild, like how big they are. But uh, shout out to them. Awesome stuff. She's got a cool book coming out in two months. Uh, and uh, Dax, always a pleasure. Check us out on uh, YouTube. Hollywood Raw podcast. Check it, that's it out. That's where we
1: post all of our videos. You can see the interviews. Um, you can see us talking to people. Like th- That's the one thing that we love about the podcast is actually being able to see them because Adam and I are on the opposite coasts. So it's kind of our one time that we can do face-to-face interviews with people. So check them out on YouTube. You can follow us on TikTok at Hollywood Raw. You can follow Adam at Adam Glenn on Instagram, Twitter, Grinder, or any of his other social media platforms. Definitely and, Grindr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, follow Hollywood Raw on Instagram and leave us a comment. Leave us a review. That's all we can ask for, guys. I know we beg you every week, but that is the best way to show us your love. You know, We appreciate all of your comments. We read them, and uh, we try to read them on air. So thank you. Anything else, Adam?
2: That's it, see you guys next time.